0: A video nasty? I wouldn't. I have far too much. How can you judge on a video have oh, seen one. I actually don't need to see visually what I know is in that film. On podcast, my name is Christopher Brown. Friday the Thirteenth Part Two was a rush job, no doubt about it. It was uh, hurriedly released off the, to cash in on the success of the first film. That's not to say though that it's not particularly good. It is good. It's a it's a, it's a good um, it's a good sequel to a good slasher sequel in a, a limited genre of uh, quality films. <laughs> they they managed to distill the essence of what makes a, a good summer camp slasher.
1: Night in 1980 Friday the 13th 12 of her friends were murdered why should Friday the 13th 1981 be any different Friday the 13th part 2 the body count continues 14 all doomed Sixteen. Help! Seventeen. 18, Nineteen. Sandra? Jeff? The day you count on for terror is not over. Friday the 13th, Part 2.
0: The film was produced and directed by Steve. Steve Miner, and this was a directorial debut. And it starred Amy Steele and John Forey. And we also saw the returns, a bit briefly, of uh, Betsy Palmer as uh, Pamela Voorhees, Adrienne King, who plays Alice, again, in a, in a, in a, in a version of starts the film, and uh, Walt Gorney, who plays Crazy Ralph. So we start... With uh, Alice in, in, it kind of like come to terms with the horrors of what had happened. And then in the first 20 odd minutes, and then we get basically an hour of a standard condensed summer camp slasher after that. It's notable, I suppose, for the introduction of Jason Voorhees being the main antagonist rather than a joke at the end. And that would, you know, continue through and make him one of the, uh, the, the horror icons of the 80s. The film kind of um, sets up to a point the cycle of 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 the rest of the films moving forwards saying um, what people think of as Friday the 13th. you know so the 3d the the, the madness of the 3d version um people obviously rejecting when uh, when, when Jason is less involved shall we say in, a, in some of the places in some one of the sequels and um and, and the general feeling of you know there's a guy with a machete and he's fucking shit up. See, originally though, um, Friday the 13th was designed that the each, it, it, in the same way Halloween 3 in 1982 was, was going to be the same thing, that like, you know, there'd be a different um, version of the film every year and it'd be like an anthology thing, and it just so happens it was Summer Camp Slasher the first time around. Um, that obviously was jettisoned when people reacted so strongly to the end of the film and this idea of a continuation. Pamela Voorhees wasn't going to come back from the dead. But there's a possibility that Jason could because of that gag end. Um, So the decision was made. That was the easiest way to kind of continue the story and obviously make more money. So Paramount basically off the back of what happened for the first one immediately ramps up to plan for a sequel Um, and they acquire worldwide distribution rights to make as much money as they possibly can from what are effectively cheap horror films. Frank Mancuso Sr. from Paramount said that he wanted the films to be events. So teens would flock to the cinema on that Friday night to see the latest episode of that film. So the the and the, the idea to do that, so it, they could continually release Friday the 13th films on Friday the 13th, would be that the you know they would not be have a direct continuity but would just be a scary movie. Producers though insisted that the sequel have Jason Voorhees because of this um this joke at the end. Steve Miner, who was associate producer on the first film, had worked with Sean Cunningham, who uh, directed the uh, was like a key component of, of the first movie. Um, he'd worked with him before on uh, the Last House on the Left. Ended up stepping up to direct this um, this instalment of the film and indeed part three as well. The three uh, D um, Miner did it. Uh, because Cunningham was twitchy about retaining for sequels and was weary that these films in particular um, that he was making weren't the type of films that he wanted to make moving forwards. He wasn't particularly... He said he, apparently... Um, he said that um, he wasn't happy making the films. They found them very violent, aimed at a young audience, and he wasn't proud of them. And... Um, And like, you know, he kind of became twitchy that all they were basically doing was making these really graphic films of sex and and, and violence for for kids to enjoy. And and, yeah, you know, the the man who made Last House on the left might have had a bit of a crisis of conscience, perhaps. So Adrienne King, who played Alice, apparently had a bit of a stalker. Uh, off the back of the first Friday the 13th and wanted to minimise her role as much as possible there's um, a bit in terms of you know that her feeling that she doesn't want to do as much there's a talk from the other side that she wanted more money all that kind of stuff you know what I mean and um, the, the the world of horror sequels inver- does always kind of come down quite a lot to um, retaining characters uh, quibbling about you know exactly um whether or not they should be paid more than scale Um and anyway, so they, they, they kind of create this uh, prologue, I suppose you could say, um, of what happened to Alice's character uh, after the events of the first film, which um, what it does do is kind of narrow what happens next in the film. So um, so it kind of reduces the screen time for our key protagonists, really, um, and, and our, our stars, which... Um, isn't a bad thing necessarily. It keeps the film very tight at least. So we fire on five years and we get various people, including uh, Ginny, who's played by Amy Steele, uh, who again won the part through an audition in the same way Ali- um, Adrian King did for Alice um, for the first film. Um, basically what was happening was the film was filmed, you know, really rushed, so already um, filming in October and November of 1980 in Connecticut Tom Savini had been asked to come on. He was twitchy around the fact Jason was in it. He thought he'd be a bit corny. He was already working on another project we've mentioned called Midnight and um, had been some work in the backlog for a film that um, you'd also know called The Burning, which we discussed way back when. Um, the old, um, another summer camp slasher film, but uh, I'd argue a better one than this one. Although let's not keep it too controversial, shall we? So Stan Winston um, was put on, on board to make t- to do the effects instead, which would have been amazing, uh, but he couldn't do it, so he dropped out. And then so they kind of um, handed the work to a guy called Carl Fullerton. This was reasonably early on in his career, although he'd always worked on Saturday Night Live and The Wiz um, and, and Altered States as well as a makeup assistant. So uh but he then he moved on to special uh special makeup effects for things like Wolfen, uh, Ghost Story, part three, uh, The Hunger and, and a variety of different films right the way uh through to, to, to today, uh working as as key makeup artist on things like uh working with uh, Dental Washington a lot for The Magnificent Seven, the Equalizer Two. And um and has just finished Mar Rainey's uh, Black Bottom as well. So he he he's still working hard, but he does predominantly work specifically with Denzel Washington for, for, for his films as his makeup artist. Anyway, so he Fullerton designed this look for this adult Jason Voorhees and um the role was kind of split played between um Steve Dash. Um, it was like Jason stunt. It was classed as a stunt double, but really did pretty much everything when with the uh, when the bags over his head, um, and then uh, Warrington Gillette played G- the unmasked Jason at the end of the film, uh, presumably because Gillette couldn't physically do a lot of the the more um, rough and tumble stuff that they needed from Jason for this film. Obviously, the um, Fullerton's uh, makeup design for uh, Jason in this film. Is different to, to how Jason looks for the rest of the, for all of the rest of it. Um, there you go. That's the way it is. Um, and there was various, you know, as you can imagine, with a lot of these things, there were various pressure problems. Dash had a, um, had his hand cut with a machete at one point and it just hit his finger and pinged into his middle finger. Um, um, Dash also received, um, quite a lot of injuries from, from the, the the mask itself, this flower sack over his face, which rubbed and caused friction burns. Um, and, you know, it, it was a reasonably challenging shoot, which probably, again, is not that surprising. Particularly um, because, you know, it's a rush job. It's a rush job, get it out the door as quick as possible. And then um, when it was all ready to go... Um, it, it absolutely slammed into a wall with the MPAA so um, obviously it needed an R rating teenagers need to go and see this film and um, the reality was that uh, the first film and the success of that first film drew a lot of attention to these kind of, uh, quite strong violence R rated films and in this case was very successful um, meant that the MPAA saw their ass to be honest with you and panicked a bit about this film and said that cumulatively the violence so much that it would be an X, even if you made substantial cuts. And they, so they did, they did make substantial cuts. So pretty much every death has a, has a trim on it. Um, so the film that you see now on, is the theatrical version still. And when you you know rent it or, you know, if you watch it on, I don't know, I think it's on Sky Cinema at the moment or or Prime or whatever it's on. It does do the rounds on the streams there. It's all of these films. Um, you can see that the film has a, um, you know, the, 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 there's clearly been, it's been trimmed. It feels like it's been trimmed. Um, so, um, and now they, the, the, the deaths have been found. The, uh, the kills have been found, which is obviously great news. Um, but, uh, but at the same time, they are um, kind of, um, they're on video. So they're not being re-edited into the film. So it's not like a, an uncut version. If you look on, um, on YouTube, uh, there's a fan edit. So if you Google Friday the 13th part two, 1981, uncut kills HD, there's a fan edit where people, a guy has um, edited in the, um, some, the, 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 the gore that's in the video version into the, the theatrical and added the sound cues on top. So it looks, it's pretty good to be honest with you. It, uh, you know, it, 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 it would go like that. You, you could definitely, you know, you could add, you could have released it and they say, that that's in it. it you, know, you can see the jolt and quality, but I think, you know, think most horror fans would rather be like that maybe or at least you know I mean, a lot of horror fans would rather it all be in vhs quality for nostalgia's sake you know but um but yeah you know, so if you if you've got the the new big um box set friday the 13th for, i think the screen factory that's in there but if you go to youtube you can see a re-edited version with just the kills edited in which um, will uh, satisfy your curiosity i think in terms of what this look would have looked like Marta Koba, who plays one of the um, one of the young victims in this, and it's probably one of the most notorious scenes in the film in terms of, um, well, yeah, it would have been if it'd been uncut, of uh, very similar to a Bay of Blood death, where the spear, they're having sex, and the spear goes straight through them, and then you see the spear underneath the bed collecting of blood, but the actual impact of it has being removed as the spear kind of goes into his back. And that's that was cut out. And um, but there's also a scene from that sex scene that was completely cut out because Cobra uh, was underage, was 16 at the time. Um, and when the, when the producers found out, like, well, all this is going to have to get removed and fucking burnt. So uh, so yes, yeah, she um, yes. Yeah, so so that's uh, that 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 was what happened with that. Um, so that 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 isn't available on YouTube. unsurprisingly, the uh, the the, the, the forefront of the the 16 year old girl has been uh, <laughs> not, not with us <laughs> for the best. Um, and also, another edit was made that originally at the end you see uh, uh, Mrs Voorhees' head, seventh head, uh, and then she was gonna like react and smile at the camera, which was cut by uh, by Minor because he just thought it was just so dumb. Um, yeah, I mean, it's I mean it's a wink to the camera at the end of the day, though, isn't it? I'm not I'm not overly overly worried too much about that. I mean, by the time you get to Friday the Thirteenth Part Six. There's a lot of winks to the camera <laughs> in terms of you know make you know basically go hey this is fun you know what I mean this is a fun film we're we're here for a good time the film benefits obviously from Harry Manfredini's score which we've spoken about before with the first film which really does you know elevate the film it makes it iconic um, and the film itself unsurprisingly uh, did well so you know it's fucking loads more of them isn't it. Reached for Atropy, May first, nineteen eighty one, told you it was a rush job. Um, it brought in six point four million in its um, its opening weekend, made two twenty one million just in America and the budget is at one point two five million. So it is a money maker. And in fact the thirty fifth highest grossing film of the year. So it did well in that horror field, um, regardless of the fact that you know, large parts of the population it has already been, you know, the the, the spring before to see I fried the thirteenth pop uh, film already. And the film, uh, from a critical point of view, not so much. Um, it's not seen as well. I mean, fans love. I mean, a lot of fans really love this film. It's uh, and I can understand. Totally can understand why. You know, it's uh, it's 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 lean. It's slick. It's a good summer camp slasher. So if you know if you like summer camp slashers, you know it's there. You know what I mean? There maybe I'd argue there are better ones, but you know, fucking who cares? You know what I mean? See, it's not it's not fucking it's not it's not a race to finish and post. You know, it it does what it needs to do. Um, however, you know, you put that in front of Roger Ebert, and we've spoken about it numerous times before in terms of his opinions on these kind of films, and he reacts very badly. You know, his feeling was that it was... Um, its exact, They're all exactly the same. Mad killer games berserk, kids die. Um, some, some more plots, some less... You know, he, he literally says, um, they're all about, all about as bad as this one. Some have a little more plot, some have a little less. It doesn't matter. That's, you know... Uh, and it's, um, you know, and it's, it's, it's cheapness and it's kind of, uh, it's clearly exploitative roots. Um, obviously unsurprisingly brushed up the, uh, our reviewing, our reviewers the wrong way, which is harsh, but fair. You know, I mean, I can understand why they they get the way they are. Uh, anyway, so from the less, um, salubrious start for Steve Miner of being, you know, a gopher for the last house on the left and working his sister, at some things like video vixens and then this, Kind of kickstarted a a period, a kind of a good, a good period of for film for him. So he made this one, Part Three. He made House, uh, War uh, Warlock. Um, he made the Halloween H 20 um 1998. It's not a reboot; is it? it's like a, it's just a standard sequel. But you know, it's kind of a expensive sequel. This one's good. We spent money on a sequel. Make it like placid. And you know, also the Day of the Dead remake, but you know, you can't have everything. But he's done a, he did a lot of stuff, and worked a lot on TV as well, including things like The One to Years, and um, Chicago Hope, so Dawson's Creek as well as a producer and director. So you know, this kind of set him on a on a path um, that uh, that he did very well out of. So fair play to him. So he said, so the film was released um, in 1983 in the UK on, 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 from CIC VHS. It was the R-rated version, obviously, because, you know, there isn't a magical uncut version that exists. And that was seized. And then in the UK, it kind of um, was released in various ways over the years in VHS um, and DVDs and Blu-rays. And, um, you know, it was released in 1987 on VHS, with, with, you know, the R-rated with, a, um, with an 18 certificate. Uh, on the, you know, pretty standard stuff. It was released again in 2001 as a DVD. As I said before, it's now available on st- various streaming sites. And if you're a big fan of the Friday the 13th collection and you have a multi region Blu ray player and you have a sizeable amount of money, the Friday the 13th collection on Blu ray uh, is available. Um, if you if you hurry, signs things on eBay. I think it's kind of it's hard to get hold of now, actually. But um, but um, but that and that includes all these films, and um, they're all um, you know all the all the, all the Friday Thirteenth, all in a as good as it's ever going to be, four K scans, and all that gear. So you know um, you know you two can watch uh, Friday versus, Friday versus Jason and Friday the Thirteenth in a, in glorious HD. You lucky bastards. Um, so yeah, so the, the the from a from a it's always tricky with these ones you know I'm, I'm giving you a very light touch version of the of the story there are loads there are books about the making of these films there are lengthy documentaries loads of talking heads about the making of these films if you want to find out about Friday the 13th part 2 this is not the implication the, the one for you why did it get seized because it involved loads of scantily clad teenage girls getting fucked up that there you go That that is almost certainly the reason why and uh, it's and slasher films time and time again have popped up on the Nasties list The body count
1: continues. 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. The day you count on for terror is not over. Friday the 13th, Part 2, Rated R.
0: Anyway, thanks very much for listening. Uh, if you want to get a hold of me, please do uh, email gmail.com and get me on Twitter. at orange underscore monkey or go to the website it's or or podcastcom where all these podcasts are hosted. Uh, next time, we are going to be talking about The Killing Hour, which is a kind of a jallowy thriller from America. Grime New York. Very cool kind of film. Um, is a bit of a supernatural element to it. it it's... It's alright. It's an alright Friday night movie. Uh, if you've not seen it, it's available on the internet <laughs> for free because <laughs> people have uploaded that shit. So check uh, Daily Motion and YouTube and you'll probably find it, I'm guessing. It's been up for a while, so I'm guessing it's not being going to get taken down anytime soon. Anyway, till then, take care, speak to you soon. Hope you had a lovely Christmas and New Year. Um, and uh, hopefully, um, you're all keeping safe and well in what are extremely challenging times and remain so and will remain so apparently for some time to come so anyway uh, we're going to try and get I'm going to try and keep these ramped up and kind of go weekly again because uh, I know I benefit from from more more stuff to listen to because TV is pretty shit at the moment and you know it fucking is what it is isn't it but anyway so yeah we'll, we'll, we'll kind of I'll try and get a bit more momentum behind these again anyway till uh, till next time take care and I'll speak to you soon, goodbye